got as far as chapter 19, and we will read some of that in a few moments, as usual. It's going to talk about the cities of refuge. Just uh, since we last met, a few things have happened around, and there was something came in about global warming. You know, we're all hear a lot about global warming, and it's taken over yeah. airwaves uh, these days. This was pointed out that if you if you criticise global warming and you disagree with it, uh, Dave Hunt was saying uh, he was quoting a chap called uh, Christopher Essex and Ross McKittrick, taken by storm the troubled science policy and politics of global warming. But he was saying that the critics, when not dismissed as contrariness, if you criticise global warming, they just don't dismiss you as being somebody with another, a different opinion. You're dismissed as being having contrariness. And then they're often referred to as sceptics. A sceptic is someone who true believers do not want to invite to a seance, he says. They have also been called dissidents. And it's these names that people are now called. If you disagree with policy, you're not just somebody who has a disagreement with them. They bring in names which have connotations. A dissident is a, a political person who was... Uh, who opposed sort of the, the Cold War, or uh, who opposed the Soviet Union in Stalin's time. Lately they have called people who uh, deny global warming or disagree with global warming as deniers and climate criminals. And that's, that's a terrible thing to call somebody a climate criminal. And those have become more common as the political nastiness has grown around us. You're a climate criminal or you're a dissident. And we spoke last week about the new atheists. And they, they want to criminalize Christians. It's the same idea. All this teaching about God and the Lord Jesus Christ has to be wiped out, they say. And so, to the global warming lobby, want to criminalise those who do not agree with them. Did you see that uh, Dawkins has sponsored, and his group, it's sponsored actually by the Guardian newspaper uh, and its readers. There's a bus now going round London, and on the side of it, it says, there's probably no God, now stop worrying and enjoy your life. And that is sponsored partly by the Guardian, Dawkins and the New Atheists, and readers of the Guardian. And just in relation to the New Atheists, our, our local so-called evangelical priest suggested to the town some time ago that they should read and they should give Dawkins' book as a present to other people. He, doesn't, he says he doesn't believe in Halloween, but yet he promotes Harry Potter. It's all just so crazy and mixed up. And going back again to the Anglican Church, here's a bit. An Anglican bishop says, a man called Nick James, Anglican Bishop of Croydon, 
says rock music is more effective than the Bible in communicating deep theological concepts. In his book Finding Faith, James says the Bible has become banal and rock music gets more into the soul than simply reading an ancient book. James recommends Eric Clapton, Bob Dylan and John Hansen, among others, and recommends using the Beatles songs in church services. Believe it or not, you won't be surprised, Rowan Williams, the Archbishop of Canterbury, recommends James' book, calling it profound and challenging. This chap says, no wonder there are so many atheists in England with a state church that is so wretchedly apostate. Isn't that amazing? Well, let's get on to something more serious. Well, not very serious, but uh, something more relevant. Deuteronomy 19. When the Lord thy God hath cut off the nations whose land the Lord thy God giveth thee, and thou succeedest them, and dwellest in their cities, and in their houses, Thou shalt separate three cities for thee in the midst of thy land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it. Thou shalt prepare thee a way, and divide the coasts of thy land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee to inherit, into three parts, that every slayer may flee thither. And this is the case of the slayer which shall flee thither, that he may live. Whoso killeth his neighbour, ignorantly, whom he hated not in time past. As when a man goeth into the wood with his neighbour to hew wood, and his hand fetcheth a stroke with the axe to cut down the tree, and the head slippeth from the hell, lighteth upon his neighbour that he, that he die, he shall flee unto one of the cities and live. Lest the avenger of the blood pursue the slayer while his heart is hot and overtake him because the way is long and slay him whereas he was not worthy of death inasmuch that he hated him not in time past. Wherefore I command thee saying thou shalt separate three cities for thee and if the Lord thy God enlarge thy coast as he hath sworn unto thy fathers and given be all the land which he promised to give unto thy fathers, if thou shalt keep all these commandments to do them, which I command thee this day, to love the Lord thy God, to walk ever in his ways, then shalt thou add three cities more for thee beside these three. Um, we'll we'll uh, read more about that uh, next week probably cities of refuge, refugees, asylum seekers. We hear a lot about that these days in the papers. And today we, we just introduced this topic and finished it probably next week, the, the, the thoughts about the cities of refuge. Refugees are always in the news. We see all this horrible news coming from the Congo and uh, half a million or something refugees on the move. You know, it's interesting 
uh, I noticed in, in verse 1 something which perhaps we do not or may not have thought about the children of Israel as they were at this particular time. Verse 1 it says, And thou succeedest them, and dwellest in their cities, and in their houses. You know, this was going to be a whole new experience for these people. For 40 years, they had wandered up, down, and across this barren wilderness. They never were living in houses. It was intense. In fact, the whole generation that was going to move in to the Promised Land would presumably never had been, in a, been, been dwelling in a city or a house. They had spent their entire life living in tents. Can you imagine the life they had led? Never been able to settle down with a base. You know, we always talk about people and frightening experiences in some ways, but then he's married and settled down, as if he's never going to do anything else in his life. He's married and settled down. But these people never had a base. It's always lovely to come home, having been away on holidays, always come back to, to, to reality, to, to, to a base. They never had that privilege. They had to be ready to move on when the cloud lifted and gather up everything and go where God would direct them. It says in Psalm 104 and verse 4, They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They had no city to dwell in. And it goes on to say, And he led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. That was the whole object of God, was bringing them through this experience. They'd nowhere to dwell, but he was leading them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. What a wonderful thought. They were going to be able to live in a city like everybody else and have a permanent residence. It was God's desire that they would someday have an abiding city. You know, the Jews had just celebrated the Feast of Sukkoth, or the Feast of Booths. And during the eight days of that feast, to this day, and they were commanded, and they are commanded, to live in these booths, a hut-like structure which they build outside. And many of the Jews eat their meals in the booth, or the sukkah. And many sleep in it, all to remind them of what the children did during the 40 years in the wilderness. It reminds them, or it should remind them, everything they have comes from God and has come from God. Just as he provided for those who lived in the desert with only tents temporary booths to live in so too he has and he does and he will provide for them daily in the promised land that was the thought of this feast and still is the thought of, for the Jews as they dwell in these booths it seems to be a time when they can take a step back and remember the good things that God has done for them as a nation 
See, everything for living in that wilderness, and we've said this so many times, but it's no harm repeating it again and again. Everything for living in that wilderness came from God. They had no continuing city, as we read there in Psalm 107. They found no city to dwell in. They lived in these booths. And as they live in the booths even to this present day, it's supposed to help them get the correct perspective on life. They're now living in towns and cities. But they still, every year, go into these booths in order to remind them everything they have comes from God. God was still and still is their provider and source of all for them if they will truly put their faith in him. Sadly they have missed out haven't they? God has provided so much in the Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah. They still carry on these acts of the law but you know, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified. But you know, it's just the same. We should remind ourselves as to how we should live in and how we should treat this world around us. We have seen in the last few days the evil in men's hearts with all this fuss about the BBC and these Jonathan Moss and this other kind. Man's heart is basically evil. But we should remind ourselves that we are living in a world of sin. There's nothing in this world which feeds our spirits. There is no spiritual food in this world for you and for me. All our spiritual food is from God. We should live spiritually in booths as the children of Israel did. Here's what the writer to the Hebrews says. Hebrews 13 verse 14. For you and for me, for here we have no continuing city. We seek one to come. That was what the children of Israel were doing in this first verse. They were looking forward to this city to live in the promised land. Hebrews 13 verse 11, a few verses before that, for the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priests for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the camp. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. Our Saviour was taken out of the city to a place where the common criminal was to die. There was no place for him in the city. There's no place for you and me in this world. The world had no place for him. They rejected him. They crucified him. We should live in the same light of that truth. There is no place for you and for me in this world. 
Jesus kept saying, ye are lost all this world. You know, I, I, I told a friend about this a few, a few days ago. I woke one up one morning last week, or this week, or last week it would have been now, uh, thinking of uh, the end times. And I was thinking about the wars that we're having in, in the earth at the moment, all over the place, this war. We're coming up to Armistice Day, that type of thing. And I started thinking of wartime, and saying some, something many of you listening to this won't remember the war, but I remember a bit of it. And here's what I was thinking in bed. When we were kids, we used to uh, go to the American Embassy. The American Embassy was on a fairly beautiful row of houses in Dublin. <coughs> and their offices uh, were there. I remember the door so well. Very impressive door. We passed this frequently. And we discovered, uh, as children discover things, I, I don't know how we ever knew about it, but we discovered that if you called at the embassy and knocked on the door, they would give out free books about the war, the anti-Nazi kind of propaganda, and cartoons, and books on America, and the American way of life, and that type of thing. Looking back, I was saying, we, we must have had a bit of a nerve few scruffy kids knocking on this door and looking for free handouts. But you know, strangely, we were always treated very courteously. I remember it so well. They always took us in and we would wait in this big hallway with the marble floor and all the rest of it. Very imposing. When the official went off and got us some books. And here's a theme which we have spoken about and I thought about this when I was in bed we have a CD which uh, talks about this back of this and it's also appropriate in the light of the fact that the Israelites had no abiding city to dwell in they had no abiding city to dwell in the ambassador was there representing his government the American ambassador's sole job was to represent his government and if possible let the people in Ireland know what his government did and inform them about his country, its people and its treasures. He had nothing else to do. He told us nothing about Ireland. Well, we got these books from him. They weren't books about Ireland, they were books about America. He had nothing to do with, and nor did he get involved, with the governing of Ireland. His orders came only from America. He had no vote in the elections in Ireland. His citizenship was not in Ireland, it was in America. When we knocked on his door, he was happy to give us information about his government and his country. If I had wanted to emigrate to America, 
I would have had to go to him for all the information necessary for me to go to America. Very simple this. Why? Why? Because he was the American ambassador. We are ambassadors for Christ. Would people know by the way I live that I am an ambassador for Christ? We had no doubt about the American ambassador and what he was doing. You know, that's the end of my early morning thoughts. Not a dream, thoughts. But I really want you to keep them in mind as we study the cities of refuge. They are most opposites. Are we good ambassadors? Do people know about my heritage which is waiting for me in heaven? There again, a few weeks ago, a hymn came to my mind. And it's a lovely hymn. I have heard of a land on a faraway strand. In the Bible the story is told. Where cares never come. Never darkness, nor gloom, and nothing shall ever grow old. There are evergreen trees that bend low in the breeze, and their fruitage is brighter than gold. There are harps for our hands in that fairest of lands, and nothing shall ever grow old. There's a home in that land of the Father's right hand. There are mansions whose joys are untold. There the ransomed will sing round the throne of their king, and nothing shall ever grow old. There's a saviour who died, and his arms are spread wide, pardoned sinners like me to enfold. And I know when I stand in that beautiful land, his glory will never grow old. In that beautiful land, on the faraway strand, no storms with their blasts ever frown. The streets, I am told, are paved with pure gold, and the sun, it will never go down. And we've been telling people about our inheritance as ambassadors for the Lord Jesus. And now we come on in this passage to a most interesting portion of scripture, the cities of refuge. And this principle of refuge to the ignorant manslayer runs through scripture, which God willing we shall see as we study the cities of refuge. Verses 2 and 3, And thou shalt separate three cities for thee in the midst of thy land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it. Thou shalt prepare thee a way, and divide the coasts of thy land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee to inherit, into three parts, that every slayer may flee thither. These two verses set out the initial dividing up of the land into three, and three of the many cities that would inherit, that they would inherit. We're going to inherit all these, take over the cities where the Canaanites had lived, but three of those cities, initially, were to be allocated as cities of refuge. 
Initially, it would appear that these three, first three cities were into, onto the land which was going to be possessed by Reuben, Gad, and half Manasseh. These are the ones that decided not to go over the Jordan. We looked at it way back in chapter 4. And I was thinking about that. Here, how gracious God was. These tribes were not prepared to enter fully into their inheritance. Which God had promised them. Yet, as we saw when we looked at this in chapter 4, and here again we have it, he provided for them in allowing cities of refuge to be made in the land this side of the river Jordan. How gracious God was. You know, some of us, well, if you're not going to go over into the land, you can forget it. No cities of refuge for you. But God knew man's hearts. And he provided, even then, to those who were not prepared to go fully into all the blessings which he had prepared for them he still in graciousness and love prepared for cities of refuge and you know these cities were to be in the midst it says right not scattered away at the far corners they were to be available to people in the midst of the land divide the land into three and in the middle of each portion provide a city of refuge it was to be equally easy for all to get to a city of refuge no matter where they lived that's a wonderful picture we have as we study the cities of refuge you know some may have lived in hilly country some in rocky country some over streams and over rivers so this was going to be difficult but look what it says in verse 3 but thou shalt prepare thee away prepare thee away now I'm told that this road or highway to those cities was carefully maintained it had to be a certain width we are told on the 1st uh, of February around about that time the magistrates or the judges used to, to meet and proclaim or order to be proclaimed that the ways were to be prepared, repaired leading to the cities of refuge and this was done by making them smooth and plain so that there was not a hill or a dale to be seen on these roads and by building bridges over rivers and brooks so that the, the, he who was going to try and escape might have a clear passage to the city of refuge not to be hindered lest the avenger of blood should overtake him and kill him. And therefore every obstruction was removed out of the way, that there might be a clear course for the man or the woman or whoever was running to the city of refuge. At the parting of the ways, where two ways met, they, they put up signs indicating the correct route. It was to be made as easy as possible for the refugee to escape punishment. And who could flee there? Every slayer could flee there. And so we see the way 
and the possibility of safety set out here to meet the needs of those who were looking for refuge. You know, although strictly speaking, the, the type of the city of refuge does not represent a divine provision for, for perishing sinners. However, it does reflect in a beautiful way the provision that God has provided for you and for me in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are all in need of refuge because of our sin. We are born in sin and shaped in iniquity. We are under judgment and we need to flee for refuge. You know, a way has been prepared for us to obtain refuge, making it possible for us to flee to God. Jesus said, I am the way. The way has been prepared. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but him. The way has been made open. The way. And the only way. If a man wanted to get to the city of refuge, there was only one way prepared. And he had to take that way. There's no way possible for him to start going off in other directions. He wouldn't arrive at the city. He would have been overtaken by the manslayer and he would have died and it also says that they may flee giving a feeling of urgency how urgent it is from sinful men to flee to God behold now is the accepted time now is the day of salvation there's an urgency men guilty, lost and helpless were to flee why? that he may live. Look at verse 4. And this is the case of the snare which shall flee thither, that he shall live. What did Jesus say? John 10.10 10, The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life. They might have it more abundantly. Oh yes, if they stayed where they were, there was a good chance that they were going to be killed. It had to flee to the city of refuge along the way. We, if we stay where we are, we're under God's judgment, but Jesus Christ has been sent as the way, and through him we can have refuge. These things are written that you might believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, and that by leave, that believing ye might have life through his name. In Hebrews it says, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enter into that within the veil. We have comfort and we have a hope. Why? Because we have fled for refuge. It is only by fleeing to Jesus, the only way, that we may have a consolation and a hope for the future. Ephesians 2.13 But now in Christ Jesus, 
ye who were sometimes were afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. And of course, it doesn't just end there. As we live our Christian life here on earth, we may fall, we may stumble, we may fail from time to time. But look what 1 Corinthians 10 says, verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted, above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape. A way of escape. To flee from temptation. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Trust in God. What a gracious God we have. The way of salvation has been provided through the death of Christ. Those under the death penalty may flee for refuge from the avenger. Sadly, many linger on the way in the face of extreme danger. Can you imagine if you really believe the word of God lingering by the wayside. Can you imagine this man running away from the avenger in danger of death, stopping and being distracted by flowers along the way, or stopping to chat with a friend he might be. It's ludicrous, but sadly that's what's happening in the world. You remember that? What we, we, we spoke quite a while ago about the King's Highway. We used to sing a chorus uh, about the King's Highway. But the hymn we mentioned at that time sort of sums this up. Wherever you may be, whatever you may see, that would lead you into evil, to say your name, I will not turn aside whatever may be tied. I'll keep along the middle of the King's Highway. The King's Highway, the King's Highway, I'll keep along the middle of the King's Highway. I will not turn aside whatever may be tied. I'll keep along the middle of the King's Highway. The meadows may be green where bypath style is seen. Turn aside, the little flowers seem to say. Be sure you take no heed, they're, they're trying to mislead. Just keep along the middle of the king's highway. For on enchanted ground there's danger all around. For a thousand pleasant voices bid you stay. With fingers stop your ears and never mind the jeers. Just keep along the middle of the king's highway our God will guide us right and walking in the light we shall win a crown of glory in the day when Jesus calls his own together round the throne who keep along the middle of the king's highway oh yes it was important for those who were seeking refuge in the, in the, the city of refuge to keep running running and fleeing to get there. For those who 
uh, are living in this world, they need to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. They need to flee to him for salvation. But for those of us who are Christians, as we walk daily on our pathway to God, we need too to walk in the middle of the King's Highway. Now, there's going to be a lot more to be said about the cities of refuge. And something I want you to think about, but before we come to it next week. Next week, we look at, first thing, God willing, who were the inhabitants of these cities of refuge that these men and women were running to? Who were the inhabitants? The second thing is, the concept, we're going to think about the concept of the person who kills his neighbor ignorantly. That concept. You got it? And the third thing was the concept of that who was killed ignorantly, killed out of ignorance, the concept of that in relation to the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those three things we look at, God willing. Who were the inhabitants of the cities of refuge to which this man was running? The concept of the one, the person who killed his neighbor ignorantly, and that also in relation to the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's going to be next week. But in the meantime, let us make sure that we are good ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. That people may see that we have an inheritance, we have a city prepared for us, and we are heading there. The people, are people attracted to that as a result of how we live? There's a land beyond the river which they call the sweet forever. And we only reach its shores by faith's decree. And we're going there. It's prepared for us. I've heard of a land. On a faraway star. The Bible. The story is told. Where cares never come. Never darkness nor gloom. And nothing shall ever go there's a Saviour who died, and his arms are spread wide, pardon sinners like me to enfold. And I know when I stand in that beautiful land, his glory will never grow.